The scripture reading for today's message comes from the second chapter of Acts, verses 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Polymphia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of God for the people of God. The scriptures that Lucas read to us this morning, some of you may be familiar with Jonesboro. If you are, you've probably heard of Joe Mac Campbell. Joe Mac um, and his family, they uh, donated all of the uh, baseball fields, soccer fields, and everything that you see in Jonesboro. Joe Mack owned that land, and they, uh, they donated it all. His son, one of his sons, his name was uh, Keith. Keith was sort of a comedian. And anyway, it came his turn to read the scriptures um, there at Cornerstone. And so when he got to, when he got to all of the, the folks that were there, he started saying Bono and Sugtown and on and on and on and on. Hey, I thought it was really, really funny. Evidently, y'all don't. I want to say uh, it's good having my nephew. Uh, y'all remember the kid I talked about climbing up grain bins when he was still wearing a diaper? And part of the times he wasn't, he's sitting right there. His name is Jerry Toombs Jr. We all call him Bubby and his friend Jennifer and her son Aiden. It's good for y'all to be in worship with us today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace, your love, and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for these, your people. We sing about sweet Holy Spirit, about getting to know you and how that we want you in our presence. 
We pray this morning that those are not empty words that we sing, that we take seriously the call that you have on our lives, and that we not only worship you, O oh God, and but we worship the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We pray that as your word is proclaimed, that you open our hearts and minds to receive your word. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. The day of Pentecost had come, and they were all together in one place. You see, the 120 that were there, they were doing exactly what the Lord told them to do. It's one thing for us to hear and even to know what the Lord says for us to do. You can know the truth. The big thing is, will we obey it? Are we obedient to God's word? You know, I, I'm here to tell you, being obedient, and just read the scriptures, being obedient goes a long way in serving and praising the Lord. Here we move from the promise that Jesus made, that the advocate, the comforter, the Holy Spirit in John 14, that Jesus has made. He, he, he said in John's gospel that, that he would ask the Father and he would send the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that would empower the community, the church, to be empowered to live out the mission in the world. We're not alone. We never are alone. You know, and if we are, it's us who separates ourselves from God. Let me tell you, Jesus said, I'll never leave nor forsake you even to the end of the age. How about that for a promise? Is that not pretty good? Regardless of what we're going through or what's going on in our lives, we can remember that. Think about that for a moment. Jesus went away, but he promised he would not leave us orphaned. We're not alone. Even when it feels like we're alone. The Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to do ministry. The Holy Spirit that empowers us to love the unlovable. To be bold enough. To be bold enough. To tell the truth in the midst of all this political correctness. To stand up even when it's not the popular thing to do or to say. I'm not talking about being rude to anyone. That's not my intent. It's not who I am. I'm not talking about being arrogant. But to love people enough to tell them the truth. How good are we at that? Well, we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. Well, we don't want to run anybody off. You don't want to run anybody off. They're going to love you for it. To tell the truth. This is one of the things the Holy Spirit allows us to do. Those who are preaching Pentecost this morning all across the world. There's a, there's a wide spectrum of beliefs by their parishioners about the Holy Spirit. 
For many congregations, Pentecost is a deeply meaningful time to incorporate rituals throughout the service. Some to celebrate confirmands, some to parade languages, and some who intentionally have readers speak in many languages. We've done that since I've been here. While many of these rituals and traditions are well-loved and enjoyed by us, at some level, those who experience Pentecost each year must move past the fantastical, if that's a word, and performative elements associated with the story and embrace the heart of the Holy Spirit's work in our community. Starting right here within the church body, in our community, the community of faith. So, in other words, we can talk about it. We can describe it and spend a lot of try, time trying to reinvent it. But maybe we would be better served to ask one another, where do you see the Holy Spirit at work in your life? Pause for a minute. Where do you see the Holy Spirit at work in your life? Where do you see the Holy Spirit at work in this church? What about in our community? How do you experience the power of the Holy Spirit? Reading the passage again, it can still be easy to be struck by the convenience of the entire community being together in one place. The stage has been set for a compelling story from the beginning. Luke reminds us that Pentecost was already in existence. Friends, this was a Jewish holy day. From Passover, a pilgrimage feast, 50 days following the Passover. And then the scripture says, and suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Luke gives us images and descriptions used in the Hebrew scriptures to, decide, to describe the scene, consistent with how God has revealed himself historically. Fire was a, a familiar metaphor used to describe the philosophical, uh, physiological experience of this prophetic inspiration. Note that the, that the sound and wind didn't feel only part of the house. It wasn't just part of the house. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each one of them. Verse 3. The gift of the Spirit was not given as one great big blazing fire hanging over the whole community. Each person in the community experienced a tongue of flame. In contrast with the chaotic nature of the sound of the wind in verse 2. Here the tongue is resting. The tongue is resting. As though it were claiming each person in the community. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other languages. 
as the Spirit gave them ability. Notice that. Notice that. As the Spirit gave them ability. Other languages, in order to speak where everyone could understand, even those proselytes, even those that had no idea, could hear people speaking in their native language. Remember the Tower of Babel whenever God came down and confused their language? Y'all remember that? How chaotic that would be? Well, Pentecost is just the opposite. It's order. It's bringing it back to where folks can understand. It brings it back to where the, all people can hear in their language and understand what God is calling them to do by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as powerful as this imagery is, it, it inspires. But it also challenges us. Each one of us at Pentecost the Scripture's intention is to bring the focus of the Spirit's effect on the community's mission. What is our mission? What's our mission? To win, disciple, and serve. Win means we talk to some people about their salvation. You know, those folks that don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? That's, that's what the win part of Discipling? That's tough. That's tough. Making disciples is tough. I tell, I tell our folks in leadership role that all the time. Making a disciple of Jesus Christ is tough. And then to serve. Serve and glorify God in all that we do. The United Methodist Church, making disciples who make disciples for the transformation of the world. You see, it's God's will that all be saved. The deal is, what role will you and I play in that? Will we allow the Holy Spirit room in our lives to reach people for Jesus Christ? We can't do it on our own. And I'm telling you, and I'm telling you, for years and years and years and years, that's what we've tried. We sort of push the Holy Spirit aside. It sort of spooks us uh, uh, a little bit. Because we're afraid if we become vulnerable, there's that word, to the Holy Spirit, that you and I might be called to preach or teach or start a new Sunday school class or to go uh, on kids camp or, or have something to do with the youth, God forbid. Or to do something that we want to do. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, he'll never call you to do something that he does and empower you to do. That's on us. If we want to sit here, we can. But don't sing songs like y'all just sang, Lucas. Don't sing songs like that. Because you can't sing them and be truthful. There's no indication before this verse other than the 120 that there was a crowd around. Presumably, it was a day, maybe like today, another ordinary day until the sound of languages fill the air. The setting unfolds clear, very, very clear. 
progression in contrast to the chaos and the wind and the visuals. First, we see the image of folks gathering. We find out pretty quick, though, that, that they were gathering at a house. And suddenly, we learn that the crowd had formed. Amazed. The crowd was amazed and astonished. For they asked, are all these folks who are speaking, are they not Galileans? Well, Galileans, weren't, weren't, they, they weren't blessed with multi-language abilities. They were not known for that. We're reminded of a similar sentiment about Jesus' hometown. You remember what they said about Jesus when they found he came from Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Maybe it was Nathaniel or Philip. Somebody said that. But anyway, so here we are. The gift of the Spirit, the gift of understanding, of interpretation, is also coming from an unlikely source. They're not excluded. And how is it the Scripture says that we hear each of us in our own native language? Here we see another example of God empowering those in a specific context. God is using real people to do God's work. I don't know about you, but that amazes me. Does that amaze y'all? That God, a, a holy, divine God that, that spoke and everything came into creation, has chosen to use you for the transformation of the world? Maybe I'm the only one that amazes, but I, I'm one that, that, that it does using real people for God's purposes. Just like us here today, empowering us to be who God created us to be. It goes beyond anything I can explain, but we see it all through the scriptures. And a long and specific list of people that Lucas read to us this morning Notice that Luke even includes the visitors in the region. In the giving of the Spirit, the, the boundaries between the resident and visitor. It's all, it, it's, bro, it's broken down. The gift of the Spirit, it does not discriminate. This is something that I believe that the church, that we need to get over. I really do. We think sometimes, maybe we don't say it out loud. I'm not saying we say it out loud. But we still think that God selects only a certain people to do his work. No. If you think that, you're wrong. Just flat out wrong. God has a call on every life. in this congregation and for all you guys listening on the radio what God has done is give us different gifts for the building up of that for building up his kingdom he's called us all God empowers us to do ministry and to carry out God's mission for the world but Simon Peter what a guy y'all remember him oh Simon Peter Last time we see him, he had denied Christ. How many times? 
three times. He raised his voice and he addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and listen to what I say. This is the same guys I said earlier who denied Christ not once, not twice, but three times. And now he goes to the pulpit. You think he could have done that without the power of the Holy Spirit? Do you think you can? Okay. He says, indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. It introduces a pattern of the book of Acts of frequent misunderstanding. In many instances throughout the scripture, various characters have to stop and explain the meaning behind the events as they are unfolding. Listen to this. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters. What? What? Your daughters? Oh, we're going to act like that's not there. Many churches do. Don't laugh at me. I'm telling you. And they shall prophesy. You know what prophesy means? Preach. Oh, my word. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women. There it is again. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Friends, that's going to be a bad day. Make no mistake about it. Read your scriptures and look what it's going to be like, what Jesus says it's going to be like whenever he comes back after his church. Get this. Simon Peter goes on by the power of the Holy Spirit. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I ask you this morning, in your heart of hearts, I beg you, have you called on the name of the Lord? Doesn't get any more serious than this. Have you called on the name of the Lord? It's easy for us to go through the most best best people in the world. But we need to understand something about salvation. Either we is or either we ain't. Have you called on the name of the Lord? You know, sometimes circumstances in our lives breaks us to that point to where we'll call on the name of the Lord. It can get bad enough. I've seen people do that. And sometimes on the other hand, is that it's out of gratitude that we call on the name of the Lord. The main thing is, have you called on the name of the Lord? Peter returns to the symbolic imagery in Joel 3, 1 through 5. In a new way, not to proclaim judgment, but as a way of continuing in God's grand reversal. And valuing the entire community, regardless of social or economic status. On the day of Pentecost, 
God's Spirit was shared in a way to lead those outside of the community. Understanding God in a new way, but also in a specific contextual language with which they were most familiar. The power of clarity given to those who were gathered there was spread among them all. Rather than imparted to just a select few, it enhanced the community, especially to those who had not experienced the love of God. Do you think for one moment that folks here in Hebrew Spring have experienced the love of God? Somehow. But overwhelmingly, I'd say folks haven't. Not that they haven't heard. I'm not saying they haven't heard. Where do you see our role in that? Where do you see us looking beyond ourselves and seeking only what God wants? Pentecost is fundamentally the pouring out of the Spirit. The Spirit a prophecy as a distinguishing mark of that movement. We can go back and read the prophets all point to the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, the church is continued in the prophetic call of love and justice in the community. In the community. Those are empowered by loving God and, and we hear this loving God so much that if there wasn't judgment, he wouldn't be a loving God. Do I need to say that again? If there wasn't judgment, he wouldn't be a loving God. You could do whatever you wanted to do anytime you wanted to do it and carry on, my wayward son. As we hear these passages of Scripture read again, this Pentecost, we too are asked to speak in our own language. And perhaps a language that, that we need to learn, and it's God's language, what the Scripture says about this radical God that will exclude no one who will call on him. Make sense? As our praise team comes this morning, I'm going to ask you, have you called on the name of the Lord? You assured of your salvation? If not, you need to be. If not, you need to be. All of us do. And as we gather this morning, if it's on your heart that you would like to transfer your membership and become part of this local congregation, I invite you. If you just need to come and spend some time alone with the Lord at this chancel rail, you're more than welcome to come. Let's stand and sing.